Section 15 of the Underground Railroad, Part 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Denise Nordell. The Underground Railroad, Part 4, by William Still. Section 15. Arrival from Maryland, 1859. Jim Kell, Charles Heath, William Carlyle, Charles Ringgold, Thomas Maxwell, and Samuel Smith. On the evening of the 4th of July, while all was hilarity and rejoicing, the above-named very interesting fugitives arrived from the troubled district, the eastern shore, of Maryland, where so many conventions had been held the previous year to prevent escapes, where the Reverend Samuel Green had been convicted and sent to the penitentiary for ten years for having a copy of Uncle Tom's cabin in his humble home, where so many parties on escaping had the good sense and courage to secure their flight by bringing their master's horses and carriages a good way on their perilous journey sam had been tied up and beat many times severely william had been stripped naked and frequently and cruelly cowhided thomas had been clubbed over his head more than a few times jim had been whipped with clubs and switches times without number charles had had five men on him at one time with cowhides his master in the lead charles heath had had his head cut shockingly with a club in the hands of his master this well-cared-for individual in referring to his kind master said i can give his character right along he was a perfect devil the night we left he had a woman tied up god knows what he done he was always blustering you could never do enough for him nohow first thing in the morning and last thing at night you would hear him cussing he would cuss in bed he was a large farmer all the time drunk he had a good deal of money but not much character he was a savage bluff red-faced looking concern thus in the most earnest as well as in an intelligent manner charles described the man akela kane who had hitherto held him under the yoke james left his mother nancy kell two brothers robert and henry and two sisters mary and annie all living in the neighborhood whence he fled besides these he had eight brothers and sisters living in baltimore and elsewhere under the yoke he was twenty-four years of age of a jet color but of a manly turn he fled from thomas murphy a farmer and regular slaveholder charles heath was twenty-five years of age medium size full black a very keen-looking individual william was also of unmixed blood shrewd and wide awake for his years had been ground down under the heel of aquila cane he left his mother and two sisters charles ringgold was eighteen years of age no white blood showed itself in the least in this individual he fled from dr jacob preston a member of the episcopal church and a practical farmer with twenty head of slaves he was not so bad but his wife was said to be a stinger charles left his mother and father behind also four sisters thomas was of pure blood with a very cheerful healthy-looking countenance twenty-one years of age and was to come free at twenty-five but he had too much good sense to rely upon the promises of slaveholders in matters of this kind he too belonged to cain who he said was constantly talking about selling etc he left his father and mother after being furnished with food clothing and free tickets they were forwarded on in triumph and full of hope sundry arrivals eighteen fifty nine john edward lee john hillis charles ross james ryan william johnston edward wood cornelius fuller and his wife harriet john pinkett ansel cannon and james brown 
john came from maryland and brought with him a good degree of pluck he satisfied the committee that he fully believed in freedom and had proved his faith by his works as he came in contact with pursuers whom he put to flight by the use of an ugly-looking knife which he plunged into one of them producing quite a panic the result was that he was left to pursue his underground railroad journey without further molestation there was nothing in john's appearance which would lead one to suppose that he was a bloodthirsty or bad man although a man of uncommon muscular powers six feet high and quite black with resolution stamped on his countenance but when he explained how he had been enslaved by a man named john b slade of harford county and how in some way or other he became entitled to his freedom and just as the time arrived for the consummation of this long prayed-for boon said slade was about to sell him after this provocation it was clear enough to perceive how john came to use his knife john hillis was a tiller of the ground under a widow lady mrs louisa lecount of the new market district maryland he signified to the mistress that he loved to follow the water and that he would be just as safe on water as on land and that he was discontented the widow heard john's plausible story and saw nothing amiss in it so she consented that he should work on a schooner the name of the craft was majestic the hopeful john endeavored to do his utmost to please and was doubly happy when he learned that the majestic was to make a trip to philadelphia on arriving john's eyes were opened to see that he owed mrs lecount nothing but that she was largely indebted to him for years of unrequited toil he could not therefore consent to go back to her he was troubled to think of his poor wife and children whom he had left in the hands of mrs harriet dean three-quarters of a mile from newmarket but it was easier for him to imagine plans by which he could get them off than to incur the hazard of going back to maryland therefore he remained in freedom charles ross was clearly of the opinion that he was free-born but that he had been illegally held in slavery as were all his brothers and sisters by a man named rogers a farmer living near greensboro in caroline county maryland very good reasons were given by charles for the charge which he made against rogers and it went far towards establishing the fact that colored men had no rights which white men were bound to respect in maryland although he was only twenty-three years of age he had fully weighed the matter of his freedom and appeared firmly set against slavery william johnson was owned by a man named john bosley a farmer living near gunpowder neck maryland one morning he unexpectedly to william gave him a terrible cowhiding which contrary to the master's designs made him a firm believer in the doctrine of immediate abolition and he thought that from that hour he must do something against the system if nothing more than to go to canada this determination was so strong that in a few weeks afterwards he found himself on the underground railroad he left one brother and one sister his mother was dead and of his father's whereabouts he knew nothing william was nineteen years of age brown color smart and good-looking edward wood was a chattel from drummerstown a comet county virginia where he had been owned by a farmer calling himself james white a man who drank hard and was very crabbed and before edward left owned eleven head of slaves edward left a wife and three children but the strong desire to be free which had been a ruling passion of his being from early boyhood rendered it impossible for him to stay although the ties were very hard to break slavery was crushing him hourly and he felt that he could not submit any longer cornelius fuller and his wife harriet escaped together from kent county maryland they belonged to separate masters cornelius it was said belonged to the dyden estate his wife to judge chambers whose honor lived in chestertown he is no man for freedom bless you said harriet he owned more slaves than any other man in that part of the country he sells sometimes and he hired out a great many would hire them to any kind of master if he half killed you 
cornelius and harriet were obliged to leave their daughter kitty who was thirteen years of age john pickett and ansel cannon took the underground railroad cars at newmarket dorchester county maryland john was a tall young man of twenty-seven years of age of an active turn of mind and of a fine black color he was the property of mary brown a widow firmly grounded in the love of slavery believing that a slave had no business to get tired or desire his freedom she sold one of john's sisters to georgia and before john fled had still in her possession nine head of slaves she was a member of the methodist church at east new market from certain movements which looked very suspicious in john's eyes he had been allotted to the southern market he therefore resolved to look out for a habitation in canada he had a first-rate cornfield education but no book learning up to the time of his escape john had shunned entangling himself with a wife ansel was twenty-five years of age well colored and seemed like a good-natured and well-behaved article he escaped from kitty cannon another widow who owned nine chattels sometimes she treated her slaves pretty well was the testimony of ansel he ran away because he did not get pay for his services in thus being deprived of his hire he concluded that he had no business to stay if he could get away arrival from maryland eighteen fifty nine james brown a more giant-looking passenger than the above-named individual had rarely ever passed over the road he was six feet three inches high and in every respect a man of bone sinew and muscle for one who had enjoyed only a field hand's privileges for improvement he was not to be despised jim owed service to henry jones at least he admitted that said jones claimed him and had hired him out to himself for seven dollars per month while this amount seemed light it was much heavier than jim felt willing to meet solely for his master's benefit after giving some heed to the voice of freedom within he considered that it behooved him to try and make his way to some place where men were not guilty of wronging their neighbors out of their just hire having heard of the underground railroad running to canada he concluded to take a trip and see the country for himself so he arranged his affairs with this end in view and left henry jones with one less to work for him for nothing the place that he fled from was called north point baltimore county the number of fellow-slaves left in the hands of his old master was fifteen arrival from delaware eighteen fifty nine edward john and charles hall the above-named individuals were brothers from delaware they were young the eldest being about twenty the youngest not far from seventeen years of age edward was serving on a farm under a man named booth perceiving that booth was running through his property very fast by hard drinking edward's better judgment admonished him that his so-called master would one day have need of more rum money and that he might not be too good to offer him in the market for what he could bring charles resolved that when his brothers crossed the line dividing delaware and pennsylvania he would not be far behind the mother of these boys was freed at the age of twenty-eight and lived in wilmington delaware it was owing to the fact that their mother had been freed that they entertained the vague notion that they too might be freed but it was a well-established fact that thousands lived and died in such a hope without ever realizing their expectations the boys more shrewd and wide awake than many others did not hearken to such stuff the two younger heard the views of the elder brother and expressed a willingness to follow him edward becoming satisfied that what they meant to do must be done quickly took the lead and off they started for a free state john was owned by one james b rogers a farmer and a most every kind of man as john expressed himself in fact john thought that his owner was such a strange wicked and cross character that he couldn't tell himself what he was seeing that slaves were treated no better than dogs and hogs john thought that he was none too young to be taking steps to get away 
Charles was held by James Rogers, Sr., under whom he said that he had served nine years with faint prospects of sometime becoming free, but when was doubtful. End of section 15. Recording by Denise Nordell, Modesto, California.